Hi everyone, it's great to be with you this morning. I'm Chantelle and this week we're continuing our series through the Exodus which Paul started last week. We started at Exodus chapter 13 in the Bible and the dramatic journey where the people of Israel, God's chosen people, leave Israel or sorry, leave Egypt and their life of slavery there to go into the unknown, to be led by God to the promised land, to a place of freedom. It's hard for them to leave in the first place. It takes plagues to convince Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, to let the people go. Then he changes his mind and his army pursues the Israelites to try and get them back. So they have the Egyptian army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. They're understandably terrified and cry out to Moses, What have you done to us? Would it not be better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert? And last week, Paul spoke of Moses' amazing response in chapter 14, verses 13 to 14. I love these verses. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Like, wow. God then tells Moses to raise his staff and stretch out his hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea onto dry ground. And they pass through with a wall of water on either side. And then at God's command, the sea comes rushing back to its place, sweeping away the Egyptians and defeating the enemy of God's people. So at the end of chapter 14, we read, And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses' servant. So this is what has happened. God has saved them. They saw his mighty hand displayed, and what was their response? To fear the Lord and to put their trust in him and in Moses, who had led them through this. Sometimes when I think about fear in the Lord, it's a bit strange, you know, because fear doesn't always seem like a good thing. And we also know verses like God's perfect love casts out fear, so we should think, well, we don't want fear. But when the Bible refers to the fear of the Lord, it means having a deep respect, reverence and awe for God's power and authority. So rather than causing someone to be afraid of God, a proper fear of the Lord leads us to love him. So God's people had seen his ultimate power and authority as he parted the Red Sea to let them cross and then defeated their enemies who wished them harm. They could put their trust in him when they saw what he could do. Why was that? Firstly, they realised that God had led them through unknown territory and that his way is best. Not only has he led them out of slavery, but he knows the right way and the best way for them to go. If we look back in chapter 13, verse 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter, for God said if they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea, and they went out of Egypt ready for battle. So the shorter route might feel like the most obvious and the easiest, but we can see here God took them on a longer way because he knew what they might face. 
could put them off. My goodness, it certainly feels like unknown territory right now. I don't know about you, but sometimes at the moment I do hanker after what seems to me a shorter route, a more obvious route. Maybe like me, you find yourself saying, I just wish coronavirus would go away and we could go back to normal. And sometimes when I'm thinking about it all, I can imagine us in church as we were before, in the same place, doing the same things. And the truth is, lots of those things were so good. You know, God was changing lives. He was working in us and through us. And now it just feels like everything has changed. We're not even sure where and when we'll be able to meet together. And we do know that when it does happen, it won't be the same as before. For some time anyway, we'll have social distancing, face masks and other stuff going on. And I was driving in my car yesterday thinking about it. And if I'm being honest, just feeling a bit overwhelmed. Like, God, what do we do? What is this going to look like? And I felt like God reminded me again of what we're reading together in Exodus in this series through the Exodus. How he guided his people step by step each day. There was a pillar of cloud to follow and each night a pillar of fire. And it felt like he was saying that to me just one day at a time. Just follow me. And I know he will provide as well. Years ago, someone reminded me of the Lord's Prayer, how it said, how we ask, give us today our daily bread, and that there's fresh bread each day. They use the phrase, today's bread for today. So now I just feel like from reading the, these verses and thinking about it all, it is a time for us to fear the Lord, to respect his power and authority, and like the Israelites, to put our trust in him. Trusting that even though we are in the unknown, God knows there is more for us and there is better. He sees the bigger picture. You know, there's times, again, being honest, I don't like this. I feel uncomfortable. I just want to know what's going to happen. But it what does that do? It causes me to rely on God more, to inquire of him, to put my trust in him. And like Paul said last week, to abide in him, to believe he will work out what is needed for every day, to follow that pillar and to see today's bread for today. Secondly, the Israelites trust God because he protected them from their enemies coming after them, trying to bring them back to a place of slavery and not be able to go forward into a place of freedom. So in times when I find myself tempted to just want to go back to what is familiar, I feel like in this moment I have to believe that there's more freedom for us too. There's more than what we know and what we can see. Can God work this time of uncertainty for good? Can we trust him even when sometimes it feels like the enemy is on our tail? I believe he's saying, I have more for you than what is familiar. I heard someone say once, we have to upset to reset. And this is certainly an upset, that is putting it mildly. Everything seems so changeable, so uncertain. And as we said last week, we need to hold tight, stand firm and keep going with God. And let him reset us in his ways. You know, I love that verse. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. I've probably said this to you before, but it reminds me of a worship song that we learned last year called Defender by Rita Springer. And some of the words are, 
And all I did was praise. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. And God defends us. He goes before us. And that song has held me through some dark times. And that is the power of worship. That's us abiding in him and seeking him in reverence and worship. The people also trust in Moses as well as God. Why is that? I think it's because he listens to God and at every step he's obedient to God. He's willing to do what seems impossible even when the people are grumbling. If we look at chapter 14 verses 15 and 16, then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. As I read that and think about leading a group of people as Moses was, I think, are you kidding me? Raise your staff and split the sea? How will that work? But Moses obeys and God is faithful. And I think we can learn so much from Moses through the Exodus. And there's questions we can ask ourselves. You know, what is God saying to us? Is he asking us to move on? How are we to obey him? Maybe even by doing something that seems impossible. Maybe he's asking us to take a risk. To trust him, even though it feels like we're surrounded by trouble. Perhaps that's how some of us are feeling at the moment. You know, sometimes it's even when slavery or the old familiar life seems more appealing. Sometimes we feel like we just want to go back. But that's part of the healing journey for many of us. It's almost harder to move forward when there's uncertainty. It's natural to hark back to what we know, even when it isn't ideal. But God doesn't call us to stay in slavery. He calls us to be free. I read in Peter Scazzaro's book, The Emotionally Healthy Church. We change our behaviour when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. The Israelites were in slavery. It was painful to stay that way. And they needed to move forward, even though changing brought pain as well. There is pain in change. But God leads us to more. Again, it reminds me of a worship song. That worship song, No Longer a Slave to Fear. Some of the lines in that, You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me and I will stand and sing. I am a child of God. God is so powerful and he makes a way for us to journey on through what seems impossible. And some of you are on a journey like that at the moment, perhaps a journey of healing from the past, a journey of trusting God for the future. But God is with you. He makes a way. So the people fear and trust God firstly because he led them through unknown territory by his better way. And secondly, because he protects them from what they're, from their enemies and brings them into freedom. So what do they do next? Look at the start of Exodus chapter 15. It says this. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. 
He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. So their first reaction is to worship. I will sing to the Lord. And this remarkable song is assumed to have come spontaneously as Moses led the people on the other side of the Red Sea. They sang this song when their salvation was real to them. They sang it when the power and the presence of God were real to them. They're declaring who God is and what he has done. I love verse 2. It's not just the Lord gives me strength, it's the Lord is my strength. You know, they're still on a journey. They haven't reached their destination. God's rescued them and delivered them, but they still don't know what's ahead. But yet they're compelled to sing to him, to worship him, to give him glory. And that's the same for us too, isn't it? We're still on a journey into the unknown. But as believers, we know and trust, you know, not only does God give us strength, but he is our strength. And you know, some of these words in this song in Exodus 15, the song of Moses and Miriam are echoed later in the Psalms. If we look at Psalm 59, 17, it says, you are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God, on whom I can rely. And as I looked at Exodus 15 and read this worship song, some things stood out to me. First of all, the power of God. Look at verse 8 to 11. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. You blew with your breath and the sea covered them. This is the enemy. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? The power of God. He's so powerful. He's majestic in holiness, working wonders. There's no one like him. That's the God we serve. That's the God we follow. That's the God who knows everything about coronavirus and every other thing the enemy tries to throw at us. The surging water stood up like a wall by his very breath. I'm sorry, it reminded me of another song. He is the Lord and he reigns on high. Show your power, O Lord our God. And that's our heart's cry, I think. Let's fear the Lord, let's pray, let's cry out to him. Ask him to show his power in these days, in these times of uncertainty. How much do we need him? The power of God is mighty and amazing. Also, when I read these verses, I was so struck by the compassion of God. In verse 13, it says, In your unfailing love, you lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Like, isn't that amazing? God's love is unfailing. It never gives up. It never runs dry. He's compassion towards his people. He is redeemed. That's us. We're the redeemed as we put our trust in him and choose to follow him. He's going to lead us. He's not going to let us go. He's going to guide us in his strength to his holy dwelling. We can be in his presence and that feels like a safe place to be. And thirdly, I was reminded of the promises of God. Look at verse 17 and 18 in Exodus 15. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. There's so much in these short verses, 
God's promises to his people to be planted first of all, to be established. To me, it feels like there's something secure in that, planted and established. And on the mountain of your inheritance, to it, you know, the mountain is a place of encounter. Moses went up to the mountain to meet with God, to encounter him. The mountain of your inheritance, it's a legacy passed on. As God's children, we receive an inheritance from him, a dwelling. A sanctuary, again, that speaks to me of a safe place and that unending, unchanging character of God that reigns forever. As I read this little part of the worship song in Exodus 15, it fills me with hope and reassurance as I trust the promises of God. He will bring us in. He will plant us on the mountain of his inheritance, the sanctuary. You know, we can worship God in many different ways as we sing. And here, this song in the Bible shows us worship. And for me, I love worship. You know, I can sing in my own. I can sing along to worship music. But I so, so miss being together, singing the praises of God together, worshipping together. You know, we obviously can't be in a large group at the moment and sing and it causes many of us to think about worship and to ask the question what is church what is worship and i was looking at this book the air i breathe by louis giglio and it's worship as a way of life and i just wanted to read a little bit out of it that really impacted me most of my life i thought you went to church to worship but now i see that the better of a approach is to go worshipping to church. Trust me, church is a lot better when our gatherings are filled with people who've been pursuing God for six days before they get there. Church as a refill or a tank up is a disaster. Corporate worship works best when we arrive with something to offer God, as opposed to only coming to get something for ourselves from God. Sure, it's true that we are strengthened and refreshed by what happens when we worship with other believers, but leaning on Sunday as our only time of spiritual intake is a recipe for languid worship and an anemic body. Church is supposed to be a celebration of our personal journeys with God since we were last together. Imagine what would happen if each person in the congregation was seeking the face of God throughout the week. Some would encounter sorrow, others major happiness, but all would have a story to tell of God's faithfulness in good times and bad. Can you see it? All of our personal streams of worship flowing into one surging river, one mighty anthem, a beautiful mosaic, telling an even greater story of who God is and what he's done. And then he says about um, a, a definition of worship, Worship is centering our mind's attention and our heart's affection on the Lord. When I read that, I was so challenged. You know, gathering on Sundays is special, but it's not the end goal. It's not just a refill to keep us going for next week. It's the celebration of what God's done in our lives since we were last together. So, you know, what's God doing in our lives right now? You know, at the moment, we can't gather together in a big group to celebrate that. But that's part of our journey. You know, let's keep worshipping. Let's keep journeying with God together. So worship, as we read there, is centering our mind's attention 
and our heart's affection on the Lord. And we can do that wherever we are. We can do it in our living room right now. And that overflows from our lives into the lives of others. We worship as we share our lives, as we care for others, as we listen to the promptings of God and connect with someone else, as we serve each other practically with a meal or an encouragement. We give God glory as we give to others. Remember it says in his word, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. I've been reading the Psalms a lot recently and learning more about the character of God, how he's working in my life and seeking ways to trust him and be obedient through reading the words. And over and over again, I, as I read them, I read of his faithfulness, that he's my rock and my refuge, he delivers us, and my worship is to give my life to him and do the things he calls me to do. Worship's abiding in him as we use our spiritual practices to draw near. All the things we've been talking about over the last few months, Lectio Divina, Prayer of Examine, things that we've been using to help us be in the presence of God. As we worship, our trust grows, our strength grows, our understanding of who God is, his character, what he's like grows. As I was thinking about this, I thought worship's a bit like weightlifting. You know, the more we worship, we grow our faith muscles. You know, it really feels like we're all on a journey at the moment. Sometimes it genuinely feels like we're in the wilderness, we're in the unknown. We don't know what's coming next in this world. Like the people of Israel, after they crossed the Red Sea, let's fear the Lord, let's put our trust in him, let's worship in him in song and with all of our lives, because we were made to worship God and to give him glory. Thank you for being with us this morning. It's so lovely to be able to share with you. So I just want to pray for us now as we close our service. And remember, if you would like someone to pray with you, sign up for our prayer ministry slots after this on Sunday morning via our website. Okay, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and be with us wherever we are. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're in the unknown, but Lord, we're saying we put our trust in you and we worship you, God. We set our minds' attention and our hearts' affection on you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're leading us to a sanctuary, to the place of your inheritance, that your promises are real, that you're a powerful God and yet you're a compassionate God. Your love is unfailing towards us. So Lord, help us to worship you. Help that to overflow into our lives and into the lives of other people as we seek to be a blessing. We trust you. Today's bread for today. We follow you day by day, step by step, in obedience with your Holy Spirit. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.